time of the week again. Prepare yourself for the surveyors of saws, the sultans of spaghetti, the whispers in your ears. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the What's Your Spaghetti Policy Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Alex and Jacob. It is very well known uh, on this podcast how much I personally love Moon Knight. Uh, my co-host Jacob, not so much, but he's learning. Whoa! He's- <laughs> I mean, like I didn't know about him uh, until like last year, the year before uh, yeah, that, two so. years ago. Um, and of course, I've brought Mike along for this endeavor because it is such an honor to have someone of Jed's stature. Um, a little background: I basically just asked, and he said, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." <laughs> so it's kind of how it works. Um, so welcome, Jed. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you for having me on. Yes. Current writer of Moon Knight, uh, Black Cat. Mm-hmm. I, full disclosure, I did not read or have not read the Avengers that dropped today. Um, you've done Taskmaster, uh, yep. Daredevil. Yep. Um, Magic um, the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Correctly. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, still going on as well. So the first question I have is, what is your origin story? Um, so like my, as far as comics are concerned, I kind of came up reading comics. Yeah. Uh, I'm, like I'm, I assume that's how I learned how to read. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I was reading uh, like Tintin books, um, a lot of like Uncle Scrooge, Donald Duck stuff that they're printing in the 80s. So like Gladstone reprints of Carl Barks stuff, uh, you know, Don Rosa stuff. And um, yeah, that's just kind of how I started out. Uh, after a while, I got into, you know, the more superhero end of the spectrum. Um, my dad had been collecting comics through, you know, the you know, late 60s and through the 70s. So that's basically what I grew up reading is his old comics. Huh. So um, I was never, unlike a lot of writers uh, of my sort of vintage, I don't have that sort of background in 90s comics that were coming out because in the 90s, I was reading 70s comics gotcha. because my parents were like, well, why would we buy you new comics? You've got boxes of comics over there. I'm like, all right, well, fair enough, I guess. Makes sense. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I basically was reading those books over and over again. Um, I've, I've got them in the closet over there. Uh, they're, you know, beat to shit. But that's what happens when you actually read a comic book. Absolutely. You know? um, that's what you- that's what I don't understand about like the collectors. And we've talked about it before on the podcast where it's like the people want to buy the first edition and stuff like that. But it's to me, it's like I get the, the monetary value. It's whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. But I always thought like comic books are supposed to be like taken out and read and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm not a collector, obviously. So it's like not a huge and it's not in my wheelhouse to be like, oh, OK, that's what that's why they do it or whatever. So, well, yeah, I mean, like pe- people people like what they like. Yeah. Um, you know, I was on a podcast or like a YouTube show a while back, talking to some kids who are like really into like the speculator scene. And it's not something that has much interest for me. Uh, it just seems like if I'm going to collect comics in order to try to make a buck off them, it seems like a huge pain in the ass. Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, granted, I'm in a fairly privileged position where it's much easier for me to make money by making comics as opposed to trying to, trying to collect and flip them. Right. And also like, I'm just, I don't have a collector's mindset. But at the same time, I understand that that's what people like, you know, hunting for stuff, digging for stuff, trying to find stuff. But uh, I mean, like, I, for my purposes, I'm more interested in reading stuff as opposed to kind of like collecting it to habit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'll, I, and again, it's, this is not me saying like, there's only one way <laughs> to enjoy comics, oh, absolutely. but like, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll never slab something. It's just not something I'm interested in. Uh, but you know, teach, teach their own there, really. So to be fair, like, uh, so I will buy multiple copies of something that I really want. And I, I've realized that it's going to have some sort of value. Like I have mm-hmm. like a ton of long boxes, like just over there. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's like, uh, like the Moon Knight stuff that's been starting. I've been buying multiple copies. I get a copy to bag, bag and board immediately. And then a copy to read. So that way I can just read the copy that I want to read. Honestly, oh, yeah. as much as I want and barely care about its intrinsic value. And then I have one that's 
real pretty and bagged up and ready to go. Should I ever decide to you know, pass it on to my kids and go, Hey, keep this, you know, now, now would you buy 26 copies yes. of, uh, <laughs> Uh, for giveaway, yes, I would. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a background to that. So, I bought 26 issues because back in June we were doing a daily giveaway of oh, you know, okay. because obviously Moon Knight is a bit of an obscure character, and you know, here in the next for now, year, yeah, in the next year or so, he's going to be in the in the zeitgeist of you know oh, the, yeah. the center of the Marvel universe, especially the MCU. Um, and as someone who has been a lifelong Moon Knight fan, like literally, I have. Um, it was another way to a support the series. B, I mean, we, we appreciate it. <laughs> um, B to get it in a bunch of hands for people who are like, you know, like my, my friend here, Jacob, he's, he's big Iron Man guy. So he was never, <laughs> ever going to read a Moon Knight comic unless I bought it for him. Um, and so I did, which I mean, and I didn't care. Too. Oh yeah. Oh no, and no, then, I know. And you know, I sent it to, I think I ended up with like eight, eight or seven or eight copies left. And it's mostly just variant covers. Um, I, and I'm a lot like Mike and I will buy, I'll buy single issues. I'll buy them. A lot of times they come, come digitally, but I also buy the trades as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just cause they, I like the way trades look on a shelf. Um, They're a lot easier to, yes. to kind of move around and read. That's for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because, you know, and, and you can speak to this too. There are so many options now that it's really kind of hard to, like read everything so like with me Mm. my first go-to in marvel is going to be moon knight it always has been as with dc it's batman and then you know obviously you know moon knight's not been around for a while um and so you know i kind of just have to you have to kind of go wherever and you know there's only so much time and so much you know yeah totally you know that you can read so but i i have to ask was it you that who approached you? How did the Moon Knight thing happen for you? Did they approach sure. you or did you pitch it to them that you have this idea? Because obviously before you did it, we saw Moon Knight in, in Jason Aaron's Avengers run. Mm-hmm. And so, but he had teased that like two years ago in like one of the first few panels of the Avengers talking about like, you know, all the, all the future yeah, stories yeah. That we're going to tell. So like, was it that far back or like when, when did this all kind of start to percolate? So, like a lot of sort of stuff with Marvel, it's kind of a bit of all that put together. So, you know, when Jason was writing uh, Avengers, he, he had some, you know, his ideas about it's like going to do a, a Moon Knight story, however far down the line. Um, so when Age of Khonshu was kicking off, as so frequently happens, they said, well, this character has been put back in the spotlight. Also, they've got a TV show coming out. So let's give him another series. And, you know, as, as a lifelong Moon Knight fan, you know, that only happens every, I don't know, however many years, right? Not like 15 not years, often. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I, I, I feel your pain. I wrote the last uh, Taskmaster series. Prior to that, it was 10 years. And prior to that, it was like however long ago. Uh, you know, also, I love Alpha Flight. When was the last time I saw an Alpha Flight series? Yeah. Right. Is so, it because you're Canadian? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but it's also i mean that's that's part of it but also like i really like the characters yeah. and they're just kind of constant fuck-ups but yes. they don't they don't let that get them down well they do but they don't let that stop them right like you know most of these people should not be superheroes like guardian had died he died one time because his own suit exploded because his wife walked in at the wrong time <laughs> like it was like it's awesome yeah but, and that's you know that's why i like james yeah, well, because he's a guy who he's got zero natural talent of being a superhero. Right. But he's just, it's killed him at least twice. <laughs> and he just keeps getting up and doing it. Um, but anyway, sorry, Moon Knight. You're fine. So, uh, yeah, there, you know, Tom Brevoort was saying, well, we're going to get a Moon Knight series going. Uh, but he didn't really know what he wanted it to look like. You know, right. generally, when an editor wants to get a series off the ground, they'll have an idea for it or they'll have kind of a direction or a tone. And they'll know who they want to go to say, Hey, are you interested in doing this? That was not there this time. So Tom actually got in touch with a bunch of people, uh, you know, a lot of writers and said, uh, we want to, we want to do a Moon Knight series. We're going to spin it out of the stage of Khonshu stuff. Now that we got, uh, you know, a lot of eyes on the character. Um, but I don't know what I want to do with it. So what are your ideas? You know, he had like a few kind of set flags that he wanted to hit, but beyond that, didn't really know what he was looking for. So I was super psyched because, you know, like I said, a Moon Knight series only comes around at however, you know, once every however many years. And, you know, when that brass ring comes around, you got to you got to reach out and try to grab it as well as you can, because. Odds are you'll probably not get another chance. 
So this was my chance to do a Moon Knight book. So I got like super hyped and uh, just started grinding on some ideas and, you know, looking at what I liked about Moon Knight or, you know, know, things perhaps I didn't think worked as well or things that would work well with the things that I'm good at. Um, And I think I had a thing. I think I sent them something like that night or like the next day or something like that. And then I kept sending emails after that saying, oh, wait, but there's also this that, that could go in this. I'm like, oh, this character would also be good. So, so maybe think about that too. So we went back and forth on it a few times over email. I kept kind of like refining my uh, outline, refining my pitch uh, until he just said, okay, good. So you're, you're good to start number one. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got the job. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Sick. All right. That sounds That's great. Yeah. Let's get started. Let's yeah. Because so like we kept ask. going back and forth. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, good, good. No, I was going to say, I kept going back and forth in the outline, but I was like, have a, do I have the job? Like, do I ask? How does this work? <laughs> yeah, so I got to ask, Sorry. like, the first two issues here, spoilers if you haven't read them, and if yeah. you haven't read them, why? Yeah, uh, turn, turn it off right now if you're, if you're about no, to spoil it. No, How dare just you? Get, up, get up and go to the shop while listening, and then yeah. know, do the thing. On your way down there, yeah. Uh, so first two issues have really kind of centered on uh, two aspects of Moon Knight that I kind of love. The first mm-hmm. is the protector of tra- uh, travelers at night, which mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, and then the second is like the religion slash cult aspect. Like what what popped to you to go? Yeah, I'm gonna lean all the way into these two things, like as hard as possible. Uh, part of it is, like I said, when I was looking at Moon Knight, what I thought, where I thought, you know, he worked the best in my opinion, and I've and, you know, I've always liked him on the street. I think he's got to be on the street. He's got to be obviously going to be at night. Cause he'd look like an idiot running around that outfit in the daytime. Um, <laughs> it just, it just wouldn't work uh, as much as I love Luna and his costumes. And also it's got to be weird, you know, yes. like he's not always yes. going to fight weird supernatural things, but I wanted to look at what particular, cause I mean, there's a lot of Marvel street level heroes, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what would make him different than Daredevil? What would make him different than, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist will make him different than uh, Spider-Man. And generally speaking, I wanted to have something that was weird and kind of alienated. And that's where we got this idea of the midnight mission, because when I was looking at Moon Knight, one of the things that kept popping up as one of his, you know, his epithets, one of his titles is, is a high priest. And we haven't, don't really see a whole lot of that in a lot of his runs. Mm -hmm. And him being in this position where at the end of age of Conchu, again, spoilers, if you haven't read those Avengers issues, uh, you know, he, he turns on Conchu, screws him over. Yep. And this idea of moon Knights, I mean, he's still moon Knight, right? He hasn't given up the title when he, you know, gave Conchu the boot out the door. He's still a moon Knight, which means he's still the fist of Conchu, regardless of his uh, relationship with Conchu. And part of being the fist of Conchu is being the high priest of Conchu. And I was really fascinated by that idea and just, you know, at the very, at that tagline, this idea of a renegade priest, you know, as a, you know, an apostate and a heretic, a schismatic, uh, a priest at odds with his God. And I was, you know, what, what would that look like? Because, you know, to, to be the priest of country doesn't mean that you're giving services. doesn't mean that you're, uh, you know, marrying people. It right. means you're giving the benediction of knuckles to goons on the street or like weird things that need to be thrown out of windows. And there's that sort of crossroads of <laughs> super heroic violence and weird fringe religion, especially with a character like, you know, Mark Spector, that I think there's a lot to work with there. And I think there was a lot of sort of fodder to, to be had out of that. It's uh, it's very reminiscent of certain parts of the United States. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, we're we're not we're not having right. Like, I like I w- the thing is when we're looking at Mark, and if you're, you're looking at it from the the priest angle, he's not he's not a fundamentalist by any means. Correct. You know, Mark is, if anything, embodying reform conshu at this point in time. You know as opposed to uh, orthodox an orthodox conchite yes i think i don't know if that, that's of, not a great sounding term but you get the idea. Listen, nope, you said it it sticks hey listen as the person who's writing moon knight it's kind of like what you say is the law right now so 
Um, cool. One of the things it is one of the things that like makes Moon Knight in like himself so completely unique is the disassociative disassociative personality disorder. Now, as someone who has been reading Moon Knight for a really long time, it's very it seems like it's a very it's a very heavy thing, but it's also very hard to write. It seems like, um, and at, you know, you're talking about how every couple of years or whatever that. And the part of the it, part, part of those problems or whatever they were behind the scenes is that we never really got a lot of Moon Knight stuff fleshed out because like, you know, the last couple of runs, they ended, you know, issue 13 or they ended issue 20. Um, I think Charlie Houston's run, Mike can correct me. I think it was the long it's the longest lasting run we've had in, in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, and it was 30. Uh, it was 30 issues, but he stopped writing after about 18. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like. It's because I don't know if it if there's like any sort of like discussion behind the scenes, but it's like because obviously Marvel is at a different place now than it was in, you know, 2006 and 2012. And now that, you know, he is going to be um, in the in the center of the MCU with the TV show here in the next year. Is there a bit of a shorter leash or a longer leash, I guess, now that because it's always felt like, okay, like if these issues, these first issues don't do well, at least from a consumer's perspective and someone who again, loves Moon Knight, it's like, okay, well, you know, these first three issues don't, they don't hit, they're good, but like, they're not hitting and like, they're not, you know, the sales are not there. So then it's like, okay, well, we got to pull the plug on these and then we're going to shift all those resources into somebody else, which I I totally get from a business perspective. Where was it? I guess that's the first question is, do you have a bit of a longer leash and how far out you personally that I mean, you don't have to give any specifics, but how many, how yeah, far out specifics? I mean, all you can, I, you know, I, I, I understand that like, it's like, all right, issue three, page yes. one, panel yes. one. Here we yes. go. Here we go. Uh, how far out do you have this story? Like, cause I'm always fascinated with when Marvel or it, comic book is in general. It's like, how far out do you have these planned? Mm-hmm. Like how, like, like what issue do you have like done to this point? Not done, but like how many issues out are you basically in your head or on paper? Uh, so I'm about halfway through issue seven. Okay. Uh, we're, you know, planned out till issue 12. Okay. So uh, there's a little more confidence in the book going forward than you would normally get for a, a new ongoing. Um, for instance, I was writing black hat. Uh, you know, I asked, asked, you know, how far should I plan? It's like, well, plan for five. If we're lucky, you know, we'll really, if we're lucky, if we really hope we'll get 10. And because I mean, that's just the, the realities of the industry, right? If you're not, if it's not a Spider-Man book, it's not, you know, an Iron Man book or, you know, the big names, you, you're not guaranteed constant sales. And right. if your sales aren't high enough, then either you'll get the chop because the sales are high enough or because they just want to launch something else. They can only have so many books going at a time. I mean, you know, you guys are comic guys. You've seen probably any number of books get the chop at issue five, you know? Yeah. And it sucks, but it's just, kind of, it's just, the, it's the industry. It's the way it is. Cause it's a business first and foremost. I mean, that's the thing. So Moon Knight, I think we're good out till 12. Okay. Uh, obviously I'm hoping to keep it going for as long as I can. Uh, and, you know, the first two issues seem to have done quite well. If it wasn't for X-Men number one coming out last month. We would have topped the charts, but fucking X-Men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I feel like my 26 issues may have helped. <laughs> you, know, you know, if it had been 30, we could have beat X-Men. Damn it. I mean, yeah, come on, man. Slack it. Sorry. Slack it. Sorry. Um, so, but yeah, so that's, that's as far as we got out there. And, you know, towards the back end, things are still kind of moving around a bit. Um, but is, like I, I said. I think, um, is there, so with, you know, uh, the disassociative personality disorder, mm-hmm. which is a mouthful, being, you know, being in like. I mean, one you of just say DID. Parts, DID. Okay, there we go. That's a lot. Oh, my God, that's so much easier to say. <laughs> with, with DID being such a big part of uh, his character, like, is it, and also with the shift in the mentality of like being behind like mental health and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like, is there a more, is there, is, are you more guarded as far, are they more like protective of what you put out there about it as far as like mental health being a bigger deal now in the, in the, you know, in the realm of things? Or is it like you still have the free reign and the, and you just go with like, oh, well, this is just his character and this is just how he acts and this is how it affects him. Or like, is there any kind of like the, I guess, like the the PC police, I don't know, or they come down and say, hey, this isn't allowed, you know, because, you know, this is going to trigger some people or anything like that. I didn't know if there was any kind of that situation I mean, going on. No, like you're not, you're not seeing that. Like we're, 
when we started the series, you know, there were, there are some sort of lines we wanted to, or that, you know, editorial was laying down. First off, we wanted to move away from focusing entirely on his DID and also wanted to move away from focusing entirely on Khonshu because both of those plot points, whenever they come up in a Moon Knight story, are kind of like a black hole. They just suck the whole story into it. You can't get away from it. You can't uh, you know, do anything else. So in this series, we have Mark is, you know, as you've seen the first two issues, he's in therapy, he's in recovery. He's working to get his mental illness under control and just sort of figure out who, he, who Mark Spector is in general, you know, figure out who Moon Knight is without Khonshu, figure out who Mark Spector is as he's trying to get his DID uh, under control and get it sorted out. Mm. Um, but as far as editorial mandates as to how mental illness should be handled, it's less from editorial, more from myself on my end, because awesome. okay. I think, I think mental illness in comic books, especially superhero comic, well, you know, especially superhero comic books, mm-hmm. uh, has been tr- handled very poorly in the past. Uh, and, you know, not like, I'm not speaking to a particular comic or a particular run, but just in general, uh, I think it's been handled with more of a sensational, you know, a a comic book sort of manner, which may have been fine in years gone by, but I don't think it's something that really should fly. And especially in a comic book like Moon Knight, where it's a character who is, you know, often defined by his mental illness. Mm -hmm. So when we started out doing this book, I had two very simple sort of rules for myself is that I didn't want to treat mental illness like a joke and I didn't want to treat mental illness like a superpower because I think both of those angles, I just don't like it. Uh, I think it's just kind of a gross way to look at something like kind of fetishizes the, the idea of like having a mental illness, whereas it's yeah. like one of those things where should, we should talk about it more and it should be like, Oh, Hey, you know, go and get, go, you know, go to therapy or get it figured out. It shouldn't be as fetishized as it is, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I think it's just, it's a real outside looking in sort of way to depict mental illness. So that's kind of where, where I came from in that. And it's not something that is, you know, gone or taken away from the character, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to approach it in a more, in a more sensitive way, because I think there, you know, there are stories to be told about, you know, Moon Knight and his struggles with mental illness, but I wanted to approach it, I guess, maybe with just a lighter touch. It's, because well, it's also fresh because, like you said, most everyone in the past, especially everyone since Charlie Houston and and forward, has always focused on, okay, well, we know he's a crazy person, but like, is he crazy or is it again part of the, like you said, kind of the grossness of saying, well, he's he has mental health problems, so we're just gonna label him crazy. Like, yeah, he can be crazy, but off a dude's face i mean yeah yes is it it just a cry for help is that what he's actually doing like is he crazy or is he just like is he want somebody to help him out like see here's the thing about moon knight and you know mark specter is that everybody calls him crazy and everyone thinks that you know and i I mean like you know you have fans call him crazy you also have people within the you know with the in universe say oh it's moon knight he's crazy he's he's a lunatic i actually legitimately like whenever alex was telling me about this guy sounds nuts it sounds insane like (laughs) but here's the thing in all these acts of brutality and all these decisions that he's made in his life that have screwed his life up, it's Mark Spector that's been making these decisions. You don't see Jake Lockley out there yep. saying, hey, let's, con- let's conquer the world for Khonshu. All right. You don't see Stephen Grant saying, hey, let's, let's cut this dude's face off. You know, <laughs> like Mark Spector's problems come from Mark Spector. If yep. anything, yep. you know, Lockley and Grant are reprieves from yep. his own poor decision making, his own self-destructive um, impulses. So, that's kind of the, the point I want to make in this series is that so many people point to Moon Knight's mental illness it's as a, a source of his problem. Yeah, well, as, as a source of his problems. And if anything, it's, you know, it's the least of his problems yeah. because all of the, you know, the things he's done to screw up his life and to hurt the people that he's loved, that he loves and, you know, the, you know, push these people away and, you know, ruin his body and destroy his relationships with the superhero community. This is all just, that's all Mark Spector. You know, it has nothing to do with this DID. So that's kind of what I want to drill down on in that what other, what other characters from the outside see as an expression of mental illness and, you know, not, not a particularly helpfully reaching out sort of way that that has nothing to do with the DID. That's, that's all Mark Spector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
To be fair, so, he's 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 been through some shit. Oh, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> like he's, you know, this is a dude who he, he's like, I'm mad at my dad, so I'm gonna go join the, the Marines. Get, gets kicked out of the Marines, says, you know what? I'm gonna join the CIA, and then he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna be a freelance war criminal. Like, <laughs> then he dies and gets resurrected. Yeah, yeah, and then then goes around just enacting violence upon people in the night based on and the like, say so of an alien god the the war criminal thing is like really interesting to me because you know he did some fucked up shit yeah like, i mean he like, was uh, kind of way on him at least a little like he, right? he was put on he was put on trial in south america yeah so like i i view moon knight as someone who not to like keep harping on it but like no oh, yeah there's there's pre-houston and then there's post houston because the the pre-houston stuff was you know west coast avengers kind of campy sort of like yeah. you know i mean he still did some crazy shit but it was also you know in the 80s and it's kind of like a different time in which comics were kind of like he was well, I mean, he was more of like a a, a shadow figure yes. you know because yeah. like in you know in the old days he would go and put on his mustache and he'd go and hit the streets of jake yes. lockley you know yes. that's is very much the shadow yes where so he's more of like a romantic swashbuckling sort of hero. And then of course, as you said, when, when, you know, the Huston run, uh, that sort of tenor changed dramatically. Yeah. Cause it's a parental advice. Like it has this parental advisory on it. And like, I mean, I, we all know why. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And so I, I, not, <laughs> not, not to say that there is a right or wrong way for like yeah. anybody who's going to get into moon Knight. Some people prefer it's the same thing as Batman. Some people prefer the oh, Adam absolutely. West Batman. Some people prefer like, Batman beating the ever-living shit out of people, super dark, brooding, whatever. I personally view Mark Spector and Moon Knight as more of the the latter, the kind of violent, the street guy, the like, you know, just like kind of no holds barred, like like right, like pushing himself to the edge to basically yeah. could be a villain. And so, is there any sort of? You said you wanted to take it in a little bit of a lighter tone in terms of that, but is there anything where that you have pushed it in the Marvels like? maybe we maybe we reel it back a little uh not as such in that i've like i've got a a much better sense now in my career where the sort of line is as far as what violence we can put in a book uh the the sort of tone i wanted to establish from this book from the get-go is that he's like i said we're we're looking at moon knight trying to figure out who he is you know this is his new start yeah. So while he's not the sort of blood drinking maniac that he's been portrayed in the past, <laughs> uh, he's still not someone you want to fuck with. Uh, as you say, where he's, I think he threw at least two people off buildings in issue one. Um, I mean, one, one was vermin. So you know, whatever. Doesn't count. But, uh, <laughs> but also like there's, there's something, you know, he's aware of his reputation and he's also not afraid to leverage that reputation because when villains hear about Moon Knight, they think this is a guy, I, I don't know what he's going to do. This is a guy who's unpredictable. This is a guy who has a reputation for extreme violence and brutality. Uh, and that's something that, you know, Mark is aware of. That's something that he leverages, you know, his whole speech to Berman, where he's like, you know what I, you know who I am and you know what I, you know who I'm not. And you know what I'm capable of. At one point later on in the book, you know, he says, how the line go? I don't fully remember it. This is for an issue that won't come out for a while, so I won't get into it. But, oh, you know, he's, oh. he basically yeah, says, like, oh, you, dang, no, no, he's no, like, you know, oh, you know. He, he says to a group of people, he says, you know, I'm Moon Knight, and you and I both know what that means. It means that I have, I have precisely no idea where my limits are. It's true. So, I would say so, that, yeah. that does seem like an, an issue, too, that, like, spoilers or whatever, whenever he is uh, fighting the, I forget the name of the guy. I think it's Holly, right? I think. Did I oh that? yeah, yeah, Leonard Holly. Uh, it does seem like he kind of un- underestimates Moon Knight going into <laughs> it, even though knowing knowing how extreme Moon Knight is, it does seem a lot like he's just completely underestimated him, and oh, then yeah. ends up getting effed by it pretty hard. So it was like, I I I will say that it's pretty neat. So you know, yeah, because the, th- cause the thing is too. So sorry. No, go ahead. You know, like I said, Moon Knight's got this reputation for extreme brutality, does not have a reputation for having superpowers. So, you know, Holly thought he had him on the ropes, whereas, like, I got the superpower, I got an army of senior citizens, I have a literal gun to his so head. It's like, so how, how, how can I lose? And then, well, I guess we saw how he can lose. Yeah. <laughs> so, part of that, too, is that 
I guess the the the, the multifaceted question is, mm-hmm. how did you get in contact with Alessandro Capuccio? And um, it's kind of crazy how somebody because this is if I if I recall correctly, it's his first like Marvel gig, and yeah. so he has like no bullshit. Not just because you're here, it, it's amazing. Like the, he oh, is yeah. he's able to do things. Like as someone who, uh, you know, I've read a lot of Moon Knights and he's doing things that are very unique to this book, but at, but feel like they have always been there. Yo, yeah. that common worship page. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was great. Fuck, oh, my God. That was... uh, he did such a good job. <laughs> so he's got like in part of his I don't know if it's him necessarily or, or, you know, after he's done with it, but there's like a green like lens sort of like reflection on a lot of his stuff he does. And it's just like almost like he's ghostly and it just it pops man it just looks so good yeah i mean a lot of that is with uh rochelle rosenberg the colorist because she just puts this like luminosity to it to the the costume it's it's such a good look it's not something i would have thought of because i mean i I have no eye for colors anyway but (laughs) i mean at this at the same time like alessandro had a very specific idea of what he wanted this book to look like and you know, it's like when, when he, he was put on the book, you know, Tom said, you know, we got this guy, um, he's, he's, he's never worked for Marvel before. So we're just going to, we're going to put him on this. I think it'll be a great fit. So I'm like, all right, sure. And, you know, we're trying to, you know, put this book together. I, I wasn't familiar with his work. So he didn't have a, a real sort of back catalog. So I didn't really know what to expect. So I just would just kind of like write my thing and say, oh, I hope it turns out good. But like, yeah, it's just like, as a, such a specific strength in exactly the stuff that Moon Knight requires, yes. you know, these moody, dark scenes at night, these, you know, masked faces that the only expression you're getting are from their eyes, uh, you know, the capes and the hoods. And, you know, anytime he draws them, like, you know, with the, the, the crescent glider cape deployed, it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, so like, it's, it's interesting now in that having seen, I mean, working on what issue, is working on issue five now so you know having seen four issues of his work i know where i have more of a sense of where his strengths lie so now i can write to those strengths um but yeah no he's 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 done great work and it's it's amazing given that you know this is his first marvel job and it's, it's it's wild to you know come out that hard right out of the gate and it's you know, like i'll write these especially these big splash pages like you know the, the come a worship double page splash or uh, you know, his gliding splash from uh, issue one and they just come out. It's like something so much more exciting than I could have, could have thought or could have put together. So, and, then, uh, and then, and then I, sorry. And then again, you know, and the coloring is such a huge part in that too. You know, Rochelle is uh, you know, that's that glowing look, that luminosity to the suit. That's like, that's her contribution. You know, it's her idea and it's just, it, it works so well. It's something that we would never have thought of. And I also don't think it's really something we've seen from Moon Knight. But it feels uh, I mean, it feels like it's been there forever. I don't know how I to know. explain it. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost <laughs> harkens back to, you know, the the early, you know, uh, Doug mentioned Bill Sinkovich ones yeah. where they call them, but they say, they don't say this costume's white. They say it's black and silver, you know, yeah. or silver and jet. Uh, and that kind of seems like it's reflected in that with that sort of, you know, luminous you know, moon glow to his costume. Was there a, speaking of the costume, was there any mandate on which costume to use because there's you know there's the black and the white there's the full-on white that he's had there's the the gray i i am a personal fan of the gray but was there anything were were they like okay you've got to use this one because this is what he used last or was it kind of just like dealer's choice could you make your own costume uh, well, actually, I, I went into it assuming we we're just using the white costume. So I was like, yeah, you know, it's a classic. Why mess with it? Um, but uh, and and then Alexander's like, no, I really want to use the um, the black and white one. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like, because it's a it's, it's, an, it's a great costume. And you know, when Declan drew it and you know designed it, it looked awesome. But also, Declan's a guy with a very specific style. And it's, it can be very difficult for people to kind of pick up on his style and do it in their own style. You know, some artists have a style that's hard to replicate their designs. And I've seen in the past, you know, people drawing Moon Knight here and there, you know, commissions and stuff. I'm just like, oh, I just don't, I don't know if that will translate. But uh, he's like, no, I really want to do the, uh, you know, Declan's costumes. I'm like, all right, sure. If you, 
you know, I'm down. If, you know, Tom's down, Tom's like, yeah, sure. Why not? So uh, that's, that's where it came from. Alessandra just wanted to do it. And I mean, I've never seen anyone other than Declan draw that costume so well. So it's a, it's a, it was a case of having confidence in your work. (laughs) When you finish your script, do you send it off? So once it's approved and it's ready, Mm -hmm. do you send it off to him and does he then send you stuff or are you seeing the stuff kind of like once it's all done? Is there any sort of like, how's the collaboration work? Cause obviously there's a time difference with you and and Italy and, and, and all that. How, how is that kind of that process? Well, I mean, it's, it's a Marvel book, so it's not me and Alessandro directly collaborating. You know, it all goes to Tom and, uh, you know, Annalise and uh, Martin. And then basically once Tom thinks the script is good enough to go, he'll send it to Alessandro. And then if Alessandro has any questions, and then basically we just wait for, because Alessandro, he's, he just does his stuff in blocks. So he'll send in 10 pages of outlines and pencils and say, what do you think? We'll go through it. And, you know, usually never have more than a couple notes. Um, and then you'll just do the inks and they'll send the next block of, uh, uh, layouts and pencils. And then, you know, if we, uh, we go back and forth on it a bit and then send the inks. So he's, uh, yeah, dude's, dude's a machine. He just, he sends his stuff in, makes changes and, you know, puts his head down and just grinds. So, uh, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Uh, mm-hmm. he's probably my favorite hero of all time. You've written a little Spider-Man, uh, in that mm-hmm. King and Black, um, uh, tie-in. First of yep. all, I thought that was amazing how oh, you, you like talked about Spider. Like we were talking about mental health earlier. I was thinking about this, how you talked about Spider-Man having anxiety. And I think it's the first time I've really read it like that, where somebody's like, oh, yeah, he's having an absolute anxiety attack right now. Um, and Spider-Man has been the butt of a couple of jokes, which is great because, you know, that's always fun for me. Um, and Moon Knight and Spider-Man have always had a tenuous relationship i I guess i would say uh they they verbally snipe each other a lot but they've also teamed up a fair amount will moon knight really keep his own corner of the marvel u or will we eventually see him like get a quick guest spot here or there from from other characters like maybe even uh felicia hardy with i I know that book is is kind of wrapping up sadly but um uh what are there possibilities for there to be like crossovers from other characters yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities are always there. I mean, like, you know, uh, Celeste's already out. We're going to have Tigra in issue four. Um, no, I mean, nice. grand, not a big name crossover. One I, one I thought was uh, quite fun. Um, I mean, they well, have a history. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, they're, they're, they're wackos together. So, um, what, well, you're West Coast Avengers. They've had not, sex uh, with them. Yeah, oh, it's also that. Sick. Oh, I <laughs> Let's go. Um, but yeah, like, it just depends if it suits the needs of the story. Um, right now, I'm trying to kind of zero in specifically on Moon Knight. Of course. Uh, running the show. Um, you know, we're, we're introducing new villains for him. We're bringing in uh, established Marvel villains who are not specifically Moon Knight villains and trying them out with them because Moon Knight kind of has a bad habit of killing his villains. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it or uh, bad? Uh, I mean, it, it really narrows down the pool from a writer's perspective. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's true. I and mean, also, like was... you know, who, who who wants to see Raul Bushman again? Like you know, I'm, I'm I mean, uh, sorry, bud. <laughs> no, I, I, to be fair, I would like to see Alessandro's take on it. Is yeah, that that would be pretty good. But uh, so yeah, we're kind of we're kind of putting a little fresh blood in the gene pool here. Uh, okay. You know, issue one, we've got that uh, secret villain in the shadows talking shit. Uh, hey, nice back. Is, or maybe. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I can't even think of a good joke character okay. off the top of my head. Sorry. And yeah, Stilt this Man. obviously Stiltman would have been the one, but I think he's being used <laughs> oh. in Iron Man right now, so we can't. Oh yeah, that's right. He is. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always looking for something for Stiltman. Years and years ago, I was asked <laughs> to pitch a uh, pitch a Luke Cage Iron Fist series, and I had Stiltman in, and I was so pleased with myself, and did not. Excuse me. Did not hear back about that one. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to blame Stiltman for that one or not. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, for instance, uh, this shadowy villain, this is not a new character. This is a character who has appeared in Marvel comics before, not as a Moon Knight villain, but you know, there's someone out there. So if you want to drive yourself wild with speculation, by all means, go ahead. Um, so and can I, I, 
can I ask a, a little kind of tie-in with the with sure. the guests? So I know with Iron Man, I feel like Christopher Cantwell basically always wanted to write Patsy Walker <laughs> and is using Iron Man as an excuse to do so. Uh, it, it, are you are you just writing Moon Knight so you can sneak a little tiger in there? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not the case. I'm not like a, I'm not a wild tiger fan, but I do think that she's an interesting character. One of yeah. those characters that I, I really have a soft spot for characters where it doesn't seem like there's a spot for them anymore. Uh, you know, yeah. whether they're specifically tied to a certain time period or a certain sort of, um, you know, a certain again, you know, zeitgeist that sort of passed them off. Because you know, Tiger just can't seem to catch a break. Yeah, and so. I, I'm always interested in these characters that could, I think all they need is a little dust off and bring them back in and that you know, can get a lot of use out of them. They'd be really interesting. Um, like in, in Black Cat, uh, I've got her crew, you know, the, the, her, the two dudes that work for, you know, uh, geez, Bruno Granger and uh, Boris Corpse. The, their name, first names are very similar. It always trips yeah. me up. Um, you know, those were dudes who were in her first appearance back, you know, when she first turned up you know she assembled these dudes and her crew they're there for two issues they beat up spider-man at one point and then you never saw them again and i was like well these are perfectly good characters like i don't need to make up a new crew for i can just bring back these old guys dust them off and i think there's a good use for them and i think tiger is one of those characters that i think there's work to be done with her i think there's a, you know spots for her um well, I guess perhaps stripes but uh <laughs> Yeah, I think I thought it'd be an interesting opportunity to sort of harken back to their past because, you know, when when you reinvent yourself, you can do that. Like, you know, for a lot of people, when they go away to university, yeah. go away to college, kind of reinvent themselves away from their old friend groups, away from their family. But when their old friend they grew, came up with comes to visit them, they're going to call you on that, you know? So. Absolutely. So Tiger's role is she's the old friend who, uh, you know, has known Moon Knight from way back and she sees him now doing his new thing. She's like, like, Oh, look, look at the big guy over here. Look at Mr. Fancy man. with his own office. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a question and then I forgot what it was, but Oh, how do you juggle so many books at once? Like I can't even imagine, like it's hard enough to write one book and you're writing like six hard enough to write. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hard enough I to can. speak. Uh, hard enough yeah. to read. It's um I, I mean I just I do a lot of writing. Um it was funny like before before November of 2019, um I was you know I was writing comics, I was working on uh, you know, I was working on Taskmaster, I was working on Black Cat. And um but I hadn't gone full freelance, I was still teaching junior high. So you know, I was really stretched kind of thin. And got to a point where I had enough books lined up that I felt safe enough that I could go resign my position and go write comic books full time. Uh, Similarly, my wife got out of freelance and got a salary job, which meant we had dental insurance. So that worked out. Um, But but also I live in but also I live in Canada, so I don't have to worry about health insurance. And I get I get paid in U.S. I get paid in U.S. dollars, which is a lot more in Canadian. So smart. Uh, I know it's all right. uh, So I was going to ask whenever you do go to write something, do you have to, cause I know like I have a, I have a friend that's a writer and Mm -hmm. it's always whenever he's writing it, he becomes that character for a time. Even if he's writing multiple characters, he he becomes the character that he's writing a scene for or whatever, what have you. And I didn't know if, if while you're writing, if you like, say, do you have to like take on the the personality and the traits of of Moon Knight while you're writing to kind of get in the mindset of what he would say and what he would do in certain situations or like, what is your, like, kind of like, what is your, uh, method for writing whenever you write for like each of your comics. Well, I'm not that method. Um, instead, it's it's kind of, it's almost the opposite. Whereas I don't, when I'm working on a comic, I don't take on you know the mask of a character, but rather the way I approach it is I generally try to create the character you know in my head and you know as as fully formed as possible. And as time goes on, as the series goes on that vision and that sort of understanding of a character grows and becomes more comfortable, more familiar, more accessible. So it's a matter of creating this character in your mind so that you can predict what, what they would say. You can predict what they would do, right? You can have a reasonable approximation. It's like profiling, Mm -hmm. you know? So 
that's the that's the way I approach it. And also, it's just nine times out of ten, it's what looks cool. You know, what sounds cool. What's what's a good line? Um, yeah. You know, Mark's an interesting character to do that with because he is someone who understands that he needs to change his approach depending on who he's speaking to. You know, in these first couple issues, you see him talking to people very colloquially and very normally, but then you also see him lapse into more formal or more sort of flowery language when he takes on his role as the high priest of Kanchu or the fist of Kanchu. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way that you'll see him uh, speak very differently when he's trying to you know, leverage his reputation for violence or to, you know, to threaten or to intimidate someone. So it's something that's interesting to me because we're kind of sw- he we see Moon Knight his character switch his tone depending on who he's speaking to mm-hmm. and what effect that he's looking for. But also this is a book, you know, one of the few that I've written that I don't use any thought captions, right? There's no thought boxes there. We don't get inside Mark's head. And that's yeah. a specific choice because I love thought boxes. Like I love captions. I use them as a huge crutch in almost everything else that I write. <laughs> um, and the reason for that is because I really like the fact that Moon Knight is an alienated outsider. Uh, you know, I often say about Black Cat, you know, she's a, a crook, but everyone still likes her. Whereas Moon Knight is a hero, but everybody hates him because, you know, he kind of beat up the Avengers, you know, it kind of took over the world. <laughs> and I wanted to introduce that distance between the reader and Moon Knight. Uh, so we find out about him the same way all the other characters in the book find out about him, which is part of the reason why we have these recurring therapy s- segments so that we can find out what he's thinking. And when he's talking to Dr. Sturman, and similarly, when he talks to Reese, we find out, you know, what he's thinking, what his, what his thoughts are. So it's a book where there's more speaking, but less sort of thought captions, which doesn't put us inside his head as easily as other books. But that's kind of the point, because right. Moon Knight's historically a character that's had a lot going on in his head. And I don't think it does him any favors to just lay it out there and say, hey, I'm Mark Spector. I'm Moon Knight. I got a lot of problems. Is there anybody in Marvel or DC or elsewhere that you have not yet gotten to play with that you would like to? Um, I've, I mean, I've always got sort of a, a rotating list of characters. Do you guys freeze out? No, I'm here. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, okay, sorry. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're, you guys are being good. very, very, very attentive. No. Very attentive. <laughs> so, so into um, it. Or just... uh, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, I'm always. I'm always kind of uh, banging the gong for Alpha Flight. Uh, I know it's a pipe dream because, you know, Alpha Flight cannot sell books. You know, through the 80s, they went 150 issues. Um, the most we can get in the last, what, 10 years is a one shot, which I was very happy to have a story in. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we're always, always trying to get those Canadian heroes out there. I just, I feel like it's such uh, a, it, it, it plays to like, getting lucky as far as like what takes off and it's just one of those things where you just you kind of hope that you know, maybe one issue somebody picks up an issue of alpha flight and they're like holy shit this is the best thing i've ever read and they tweet it out or something of that nature and it gets picked up and it gets retweeted like a million times and there's a big push like a campaign for like oh well, let's bring back alpha flight and it's always the hope but you know with think the way our attention spans are nowadays it's it's more loud it just it's a it's a crapshoot of whether it's going to take off so yeah, I mean, part of the thing is, too, the Alpha Flight sells relatively well in Canada, but it sells like shit in the U.S., so uh, that does not do it any favors. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, like, I've always got stuff, you know, of, uh, I love doing Iron Man series. I like Iron Man a lot. Um, you know, Mockingbird's a character I think I'd have a lot of fun with. I always yeah. love to do spy stuff. Um, yeah, just kind of like anything within that, within that realm. It's like, I, like, I'm open to do anything for the most part. Yeah. But, you know, the stuff I like the most is generally, you know, street level stuff or spy stuff or, uh, you know, you know, a lot of a lot of punching and like desperate situations. So uh, I wanted to ask real quick, uh, we talk a lot about comics. What do you what do you like hobbies do you have outside of comics? What do you like to do to just kind of get away and relax and decompress? Yeah, that's that's the thing is because when I quit my job to write full time, I realized that I didn't have a hobby anymore because writing was my hobby. And now it's my job. And I was like, man, I got to get a hobby or I'm going to have like, I'm going to be real difficult to be around. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, in general, just the general writerly stuff, you know, I read a lot. 
you know, I'm always looking at looking stuff up or doing research, but as far as just like a simple hobby, I've got back into uh, painting, you know, small plastic men, you know, little Warhammer guys, yes. uh, nice. because like, it's, it's very, it's very calming, right? Your, your entire world is just this far away from your face and you have, you know, a very small brush and just desperately trying to apply pigments in a way that doesn't, you know, screw up an entirely too expensive model. It's like, uh, it's like, it's like bonsai for dipshits. <laughs> I've always wanted to, to like do that, but like, a, it's expensive and like uh, yeah. I just don't know because I I'm, I don't have a like a, a very artsy steady hand so I just I know I'm gonna paint it and it's gonna look like shit and I'm just gonna be like eh. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah you're like well cause, and the thing is a real buy-in too because like painting ain't cheap so uh, I, I worked yeah. at a Hobby Lobby I don't know if you know what a Hobby Lobby is I don't know if they have them in Canada but it's a big giant mm-hmm. hot like hobby store you know they sell paints and wood and flowers and all sorts of dumb yeah. shit. And uh, like, so I, I know how much that stuff costs and it's just like to get one thing painted, it's like, okay, you're going to need at least 12 paints and then the brushes. Yeah. And it's just like, and that's you're, spending and you're always fucking bucks. up the brushes. Yes. It's crazy. Brushes are not cheap. Brushes are ridiculously expensive for something that's only going to last you, you know, three or four paints. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's uh, like, it's, it's not a cheap hobby by any means. Like I'm, I'm not buying huge armies or anything. I just like little, little gangs of dudes. But um, it's like it's something I did when I was a kid. So I had some sense. Like I, I knew that I would enjoy it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not like I was going into a blind. But man, like when I was a kid, I had a lot better eyes and a lot steadier hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> no <whoa. laughs> doubt. Um, I, as a Canadian, I feel like it's obligatory that you have to like hockey. No, I don't, I don't particularly care about hockey. Oh, oh no. Man. I it's mean, right. it's okay. Like, it's all right. <laughs> no, like when, when I, like when I lived in Montreal, then you know, obviously follow Montreal because that's what you do when you live in Montreal. Yeah. But uh, now I live on the Maritimes. So I'm just, I can't be bothered. <laughs> that's, it's a little heartbreaking to be honest. We all, the three of us love hockey, but yeah. I mean, it's, ha- <laughs> it's, ha- it's, it's, it's slowly becoming my favorite sport just because you know, for other reasons, my teams in my other sports are terrible. Say, like so your other, yeah, your other sports so teams are doing so hot. Um, before we wrap this up, did you play Magic: The Gathering? Is or how did that how did that book come about? Yeah, I um, I mean, again, you know, I was painting little model men when I was a kid. I was playing Magic. I think got like a, a '90s issue of Inquest magazine here. <laughs> nice. Um, so like, I was into all the the various trad game nerd shit. So, um, you know, if, if it was a, you know, dumb nerd shit and that, you know, would not impress a girl whatsoever, I was absolutely 100% four square yes, behind it. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I know I was, I was in the magic, you know, I played it from 95 to about 2001 till, you know, I went to university and kind of like, you know, as I said, you know, you reinvent yourself a bit and I reinvented, reinvented myself as a guy that doesn't spend a lot of money on cardboard. Um, so I had that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of shelled for a while. Anyways, uh, last, not last spring, but the spring before, you know, when code was really, we we're all, we we're all learning a lot of lessons about lockdowns and quarantines. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't have any work. Um, Diamond had shut down. None of my books were shipping anymore. So all my stuff was on hiatus. And Amanda LaFranco, boom, emailed me and said, Hey, do you want to do a magic comic? We just got a, we just got the license for it. We're looking to kind of really kick it off as a big IP. And she's like, I read your short stories on your website and, you know, you obviously have an interest in fantasy stuff. How would you like to do this? And first off, when an editor emails you saying, I read your short stories and nobody reads on your website that nobody goes to, they know that that's like the instant key to a writer's heart. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah, I've seen, I've, I saw you. value in something that literally no one else does. Like, Holy shit. I knew, I knew I was a genius all along. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like I had, you know, a background in magic. I'd been out of it for 20 years. So uh, I was like, well, I'm sure I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, I, I work in superhero comics. Can the, can the continuity be any more complicated than that? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it absolutely can. <laughs> uh, so I was just, you know, frantically going through these like, you know, fandom wikis and stuff, like just trying to figure out what the hell has been going on, how the world has changed, what characters are involved. And you know, I talked a lot with a, one of my old friends from high school who is, you know, had still in the game and kept up and he helped me out a lot when I would 
come up with a, a pitch and I send it to him first. I'm like, what about this? He's like, that's been done. Like, Shit. <laughs> um, gradually though, over the course of the last year, I've got, excuse me, uh, much more, uh, much more caught up, much more up to date. I now consider myself relatively well-versed in uh, the modern magic lore. And uh, yeah, it's, magic's been a really interesting project for me. Um, I wasn't, you know, when you start off in a licensed book, the question is always going to be like, how difficult is this going to be? Because you know, when you work with a licensor, you've got a whole nother level of supervision. But, you know, working with Wizards has been great. Uh, working on this book has been really interesting to me because it's the... I mean, it's the first book I've written that's not a Marvel superhero book. So going and, you know, shifting tone, shifting the world, and also taking on a big world and a big property like this, where I'm the one in charge, you know, like I'm basically, I'm like, I'm writing the Avengers of magic at this point in time. And we can kind of do anything we want with this world because it's not tied to the canon of the card game. So it's, it's been a really interesting sort of sense of, freedom and like you know just going really big with stories that uh has been a lot of fun lately it flexes a muscle too that you're not flexing over at marvel because you're dealing with yeah. an entirely different realm and circumstances and everything else so yeah, I, ima- sure. I, I imagine that it's kind of refreshing to as much as we love superheroes and, oh, and yeah, totally. stuff it's it's probably refreshing and probably helps with your other i would say there's a symbiotic relationship with the two where it's like, okay, so I'm going to take a break. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like polluted with Marvel. You're going to switch over here and jump and stuff. And so I, I, I imagine that it's just very refreshing to do something different. Oh yeah. Like uh, a change is as good as a rest sometimes. You know? Yes. Do you have yeah. any thing that in the future that you are looking to maybe kind of self publish or self own you, you own the IP sort of. Yeah. It's, I mean, my sort of way I came into comics is unusual and that I never really did the, the like uh, creator owned stuff. Yeah. Which is usually, you know, how you get into working for Marvel, you do creator owned stuff to the point you get noticed. Then you do Marvel stuff to make some money. Um, and then, then eventually, <laughs> eventually, and then you go back to do more creator owned stuff. Cause you realize you can, once your name is bigger, you can make a lot more money doing that. Um, so I never, I never did that. I just sort of slid in. Um, so I, yeah, I have, I have ideas for creator on stuff I want to do. I just haven't, I just haven't put it together yet. Like uh, I hang out with Ed Briss and Steve McDevitt. They give me shit about it all the time. I'm just you like, publish, hey, you, you, you been publish busy. it. I'll be, I'll be right there. You publish it. I'll be right there. I'll buy, I'll buy one of the first issues. Probably not the first one, uh, but I'll be but, there. Uh, yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. But yeah, no, like, I've, I've got stuff that I'm, putting together but nothing is you know fi- is finalized or even firm at this point in time but uh yeah i mean you're in comics you you've got to have stuff that you own you know you got to have ownership because that's it's just the way it works you know it's it's it, like I, I love doing work for hire it's i've had a lot a great time working for marvel and i continue to do so but also i do want to have something that that is mine Absolutely. You know, something I, I, and then obviously whoever I work with will own. So that is, it's, it's on the to-do list. Uh, just, I'm just not quite there yet. Cause I've been, like you said, I've been pretty busy. So, uh, and you know, but in a good way, well, oh, absolutely. But you know, you gotta make hay while the sun shines it's the freelance life. If the work is there, then you do the work. Absolutely. Does anybody have anything else before we let him go? I think that's about it. I'm so I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here. This is Jed, no, no it, problem. It has been an absolute pleasure, my friend, to, uh, well, uh, to pick your it. brain and and to like nerd out for an hour about something that is <laughs> extremely important to me. Uh, I'm only 32, but like Moon Knight has always been, and it, I feel weird, and I've, I've said it before too, and, and Mike can attest to this. Like he sort of in a way feels like our kid, and like now in about a year the world like there's you know people know about moon knight but like yeah the but world, still, it's still your guy yes yeah. and the world's about to know about him and i feel very weird about it which is kind of oh, strange sure. because like he's not i didn't create him i've never had all i ever do is just buy the books and like you know buy, i buy merch Statues. and i mean i have like a whole like i have a bunch of moon knight shit and so <laughs> it's always been i've always felt obligated in a weird way to like i've latched onto this guy so like 
there's a statue that comes out i buy it there's a, a marvel yeah. legends i buy it you know like the random whatever like but now in about a year it's he's it's going to be everywhere I, I don't think it's going to be to the deadpool extent but like i feel very weird i have a child of my own <laughs> but it's like, i have two like, but yeah, it's i'm not a total loser I, she's uh, four but like i've been with moon knight for as long as i can remember and so yeah. it's just like this weird this is your older brother it, it feels good book. because yeah. it's like I'm, i've never been <laughs> yeah. a person that has ever seeked validation for anything that i like or do but it's a weird sort of validation that it's like yeah moon knight's always been badass now the yeah. world's gonna find out and so then i also have this inherent like i'm a hard person to impress not that I don't dislike things. I just like, eh, like it's fine. But yeah, I can, for sure. I, I can say like unequivocally, like I have loved the first two issues. Like the first issue, I was like, oh, this is this is going somewhere. But that second issue blew me away. I was like, yeah. this, okay, now we're now we're playing with fire. Like this is some good shit. And obviously, the first issue did what it was supposed to do. It got. I have people who I sent the those issues to. They're like that's a really easy good read like i like i've never mm. read a moon knight but like i'm in and i'm like that's yep. that's, that's the, the idea that's the yeah, idea that's but the it, there was enough in issue one to where it's like okay like if you've been reading for long enough you're like okay i get this i get this but like i mean i'm just you're doing you're doing the lord's work my friend no, conscious work, work. yes conscious conscious work, so you pick <laughs> you can pick your lord whichever one you want <laughs> well i mean I'm, I'm i'm happy to hear that like because you know anytime you do a new number one you're, you're, you're juggling, you're, you're serving, you know, two, sometimes three masters in that you want long-term fans to feel, you know, validated, feel that this is something that's worth their time. It's something that's worth their money. Well, especially their money because, you know, comics, comics ain't cheap, No, but at the same time, you also have to have something that someone who does not know this character can walk into with relatively minimal handholding. So, like, you know, we, we retell his origin in number one, obviously, in the therapy session. But we don't dwell on it. Yeah. Say, here's this guy. Here's what happened to him. Um, you know, there's the, the lots of editor boxes of, like, see something else if you want to yeah, get, uh, like, get, get uh, further Aven into it. Avengers 33 through 37 or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, we try not to dwell on it and just say, here's, here's our guy and here's where he's at now. You know, here's... For new people, here's where he's at now. For old fans, here's how he's changed up to the point where we see him now. And that's, you know, like it's number one's a tricky man. So uh, I'm, hap I'm happy to hear that uh, it, it worked for you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's one of my top two, like every month. I just, I can't so wait. It, like it's every month, I'm just like, I got to go to the comic shop. And luckily, my comic shop gets it. So comic comes out on Wednesday. Mine comes out. I get them on Friday or Saturday, but I don't. Yeah, I was wondering how you did that. <laughs> Sorry. I don't post spoilers or anything, but it's just, uh, that, you know, it is. I like to send it to Mike because he can't get his to Wednesday. So, yeah. yeah. And it makes me mad. Of course. <laughs> so is there yeah. any, are there any socials that you want to plug or anything like that? I know. That, like, so buy, you know, buy Black Hat, buy Moon Knight, uh, at Jed, at, at Jed McKay on, on Twitter there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's about it. I, uh, I don't have, I mean, I have an Instagram. I'm just basically camping the name because uh, I was mad that I didn't get Instagram.com slash Jed McKay. The, <laughs> the other Jed McKay in Canada got one, got it. And he's, uh, our, our histories seem to uh, get mashed up when people are doing research. And uh, someone's <laughs> like, oh yeah, you, you have a, a long history in children's broadcasting. I'm like, I absolutely do not. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad I didn't ask that question. question for it, Cause I was like, it was legit. I was like, okay. And here I see here you worked in Canadian uh, children's shows and I was like going to ask a whole question about it. I'm so glad I didn't because now I'm oh, no, it's it, I mean, it's fine. Like he's got I wrote an episode of Ninja Turtles back in like 2014, 2015. I read your, I read your Wikipedia page and uh, yeah, they oh, have yeah. some stuff up. Which there. so uh, which, have a Wikipedia which, page? which Ninja oh, Turtles? Sure. Is that the, the uh, CG? CGI one? Yeah. So oh, is man, it, that was good. That's yeah, OK. So, that's before Rise of the Ninja Turtles or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that yeah. one that that turtles that show is legit. Is really good. See, so, so yeah, I wrote I wrote the last episode that came out. Uh it uh Ooh. I don't it was I don't think it was I don't know if it's supposed to be the last episode, but it was the last episode that ended up coming out. Anyways, he's got my IMDB credit on his IMDB page. So oh, one, of right. days, uh, one of these days oh, I'm gonna get that straight. Yeah. 
coming for I, you, I other Jed McKay. <laughs> Would you yeah, be you open want... to doing Turtles for IDW or whoever? I guess that's who has it right now, right? I think so. I mean, sure. I like. I really or like the Eastman. Turtles. I think Eastman's back doing it now, right? No, Sophie Campbell's writing it okay. right now. Okay. Um, it's been a while yeah, since no, I, I like Turtles. Yeah, I I, I, I love the old uh, Eastman Lard Ninja Turtles stuff, so uh, I certainly wouldn't turn it down. Cool, but cool. Uh, I mean, they're they're in good hands at the moment anyway, so uh, I'd hate to take that away. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, just uh, if you want to get a hold of me, well, not get a hold of me because I may not answer because I don't get a lot. My, my notifications, I turn them on like half notifications or something. I don't really know how it, it works. Gives you big, gives you big, big batches of like notifications at a time, I think, right? Whatever yeah, I don't on. know. It's just like once once I crack 2,000 followers, the notifications are getting out of hand. So uh, I click something that basically give me less notifications. So I'd like to I may, apologize. I may, <laughs> I, uh, I, I may or may not uh, see something you tweet at me, but yeah, it's uh, twitter.com slash jed mckay j-e-d-m-a-c-k-a-y uh that's about and uh it's about the only social or uh, public facing social media i use my facebook's just for keeping up with my family so don't message me there uh, i will don't have not respond so. <laughs> thank Plus, you so i'm much sure that i'm here. sure there's like 300 people that have your name so it's you know there's, there's a few there's a few and then there's there's one in particular who people ask me how i was doing children's programming in the 1980s when i was like four so <laughs> you're just that talented you were that talented of an age and they just they knew you were a child prodigy yeah it was a real uh it was a real amadeus yeah but thank thank you so much jeff for taking the time out of your your night to come hey, hang out with pleasure. Man. continued you. success dude all right well uh we'll see you guys for number three absolutely oh you know it twice <laughs>